morning, everybody. Get this set. I'm coming off being sick. I'm still kind of sick. Um, I doubt I'm contagious after a week being sick for over a week. Uh, we had Thanksgiving break this, this last week, you know, as everybody did. Um, well, at least college students. We had a whole week. It was nice. But uh, break hit, and it was just down. And I was down and out for the count. It's crazy. Uh, Rachel and the kids are sick right now, so they're at home, not being able to be with us this morning. Anyway, so I might cough a little bit here or there, but I think we're far enough where I'm not going to get you sick, right? It's far enough away from you. No. <clears throat> I've, I'm past the contagious state. Uh, well, it's good to be here with you. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, good to see you all this morning. I hope you had a, had a great Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I didn't have the one that I expected to have, but the Lord has his plans, so we trust him. Um, my, uh, my wife has just reminded me of that this week. You know, it's all right. The Lord knows exactly what we need. For me, I had to, had to rest, take a break, um, <clears throat> being sick. So we're, uh, we're about to begin a series. We are beginning a series, excuse me, today going, uh, that will be leading up to Christmas um, so I'll begin that series for us. Let me just oh, let's open us up with a word of prayer, okay? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather this morning. And Lord, your word gives some promises. And I ask for one of those, Lord, that um, Lord, you will supply the strength that we need, um, Lord, in all things. And when we, when I'm here, as I'm here speaking your word, Lord, that you command me to speak your oracles. I pray that you give me the, the power, the strength to be able to do that. Um, not from, from my own ability, Lord, but from the, your work in me, your spirit that dwells within. Uh, and Lord, I pray that he would make clear to each and every one of us uh, what your word says, Lord God. Sometimes, it, we've all been there, it, sounds, it seems like the preacher speaking right to us. And yet, Lord, there's no way that, that any man has the ability to do that with another man, uh, another woman, or uh, with multiple people. But your, your spirit does. He is at work in the world. And we trust that and we know that, Lord. You want to draw people to yourself, lost sinners, uh, those made in your image that have uh, convinced themselves and are um, blinded by the world and the ruler of this world that that you don't exist, that they're not accountable to you, uh, that you're not coming back. But, Lord, that's not true. Uh, you do exist, and we are all accountable before you, and you are coming back. <clears throat> Lord, help the lost person, the sinner, the one who doesn't know you, to come to know you. We pray this Christmas, this year, excuse me, this year, this, this time of year, this season. Um, Lord, we also pray for the saint, and we've been talking in 1 Corinthians, we're not saints because of ourselves, we're saints because of the blood of Christ, because of what he's done for us. He's made us holy. We don't stand on our good works, we stand on the finished work of Jesus, and we thank you for that. <clears throat> Lord, encourage us this morning to have faith in you, not just a day back when, when we first trusted you, but step by step, moment by moment, each and every day. Uh, Lord, we can all reflect on this past week and say uh, whether we can reflect and assess whether or not we had faith in you, and it's your 
your desire, Lord, that we would walk in faith each and every moment of our lives. You've given us everything that we need to that end. So we pray, Lord, uh, for these things. I ask for these things, Lord, as we open your word, make it clear, and, and enable all of us to take the step of faith wherever we are. And we know that faith is not in ourselves, but faith is rightly placed in you. So we ask for that in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> so I'll be in Isaiah. Uh, the passage we're looking at, the verse we're looking at is Isaiah 7.14. I'll read that, that verse, um, but then we're going to kind of get the context uh, for the passage as we get into it. Um, <clears throat> let me go ahead and read the, read the verse for you. Let that kind of simmer in your, in your mind before we get the context. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And, and my Bible has a little footnote translating the Emmanuel, meaning it means God is with us. <coughs> I don't know what you think about when you, you get to Christmas season, uh, what you like the most, if it's your Christmas playlist. I just started making a, a Christmas playlist on Spotify. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's the, making cookies, uh, it's the presents, it's the, the Christmas lights that are out there. You know, I'm sure you've got your own tradition, your own uh, thing that you really get excited about. Maybe it's, maybe it's kind of all of it, right? It's just the overall environment, the feel of Christmas. Like everybody's celebrating um, you know, I love seeing uh, going from Halloween to Christmas, and especially I usually drive on Cane Street a lot to go to work, um, and often to like certain parts of town. And so, uh, there's this one house uh, on the corner. Was well, it's, it's, right, it's right across from I think it's Primrose, and it's on the other side of Primrose and Cane. And uh, they've got like this gory Halloween decorations, crazy, right? All this death, uh, destruction, these ghosts, these demons, these zombies, these spiders. Which is uh, even I think it has she, she I think it's a lady and it's a husband and wife but uh, I always see the lady out there putting stuff up had two grim reapers this year I think real big um, if you pass by the house you probably know what I'm talking about we go from from all that to to Christmas right we got snowmen we got Santa Claus you got presents uh, the lights aren't as uh, dark and gloomy there's not really there's not any blood anywhere um, right there's no skeletons except for the occasional person who's holding on to Halloween, um, <clears throat> that just kind of disappears, right? And you kind of get like this nicer feel. The music uh, in the stores is going. Um, every now and then you got to duck and dodge that person that's outside of Hy-Vee or, or Walmart ringing their bell, right? You're like, oh, no, now i got to get some cash. I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> we were actually at Salvation Army uh, for performance earlier, and... Um, the, I forget his title, if he's the general or whatever, but the, the Salvation Army guy was like, it's a busy time of year coming, you know, and he goes like this. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be seeing you. Um, <clears throat> so I avoided talking to him. I didn't have a conversation. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so this just changes. I don't know what gets you excited, uh, but everybody gets excited, right? Um, you think of, I think, uh, prominently like greeting cards like you see in the store. I don't know if you get flooded, like people send them your way. I'm not good at sending them, um, so you probably won't get one from me. If you do, it's don't count it on it next year. 
but I know some people hold that tradition, right, where they send their Christmas cards out to everybody. I'm going to get, I'll get Christmas cards from across the, across the ocean, you know. People just be, always be sending them. Uh, that's their thing. That's how they do. And it's like often there's this phrase, Emmanuel, or this word on there, right? And it's this beautiful manger scene or something peaceful. Um, this passage has anything but to do, anything to do, anything but that. I can't get my words together this morning. The, the passage is not the postcard. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, as you look at the postcard, you see the peace. That's not what we see in the, the original passage um, here in Isaiah. I want to begin to unpack it a little bit for you. So we're going to look, uh, I'm going to get a little context. I'm going to do a little teacher on you today, okay? Some preachers, they just all in preach. Uh, some preachers teach uh, only, and some preachers kind of do a mix of both. Um, I might do a mix of both, definitely more heavy teaching this morning. Um, because I, I, I think like this passage can get lost on us if we don't know the context around it. Like what's happening? Because in Isaiah, as he's writing Isaiah chapter 7, there's a war that's going on, that's been going on. Um, in God's people and in their kingdom, the kingdom of Israel has been divided. Now it's actually two nations where it should have just been originally one because of disobedient servants of the Lord. <clears throat> and within that context, there's the tribe of Israel and the tribe of Ju- or the nation of Israel, nation of Judah. And Judah is usually the faithful part of the kingdom. God's people are still there. They're still worshiping him rightly. They're still trusting in him. Uh, but we see that with, with the king, which is Ahaz here, his faith really isn't there. And, and God's questioning that and giving him an opportunity to trust in him. But then outside of Israel, we've got these other nations that coming and they're attacking. There's this long history. There's lots of details. If I were just to read Isaiah 7 to you, uh, unless you've been studying it, it'd be confusing. Okay, so I'm going to begin to kind of pull some of the context in. It's like trying to talk about one battle in World War II and tell you the significance of it without talking about the history surrounding that battle, right? Or even what, what comes later. Um, <clears throat> so let's go to Second uh, Kings chapter 16. As you read the prophets, Isaiah is a prophet. Uh, most often they're talking in the context of what's been recorded in either 1 Kings, 2 Kings, or First and Second Chronicles, the history of Israel and what's been happening in their day. So let's just read about the situation. Let me get you a few verses here. Second Kings chapter 16, verses 1 through 6 is what we'll read. In the seventh year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. So here's Ahaz. It's uh, talking about Pekah, son of Remaliah. He is the Israel, he's Israel's king, not Judah's king. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out the peop- before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel. So you've got Judah, which is the, usually the faithful, uh, faithful nation of Israel that was 
divided, right? Israel, it's divided into two, Judah and Israel. And then you've got Israel and you've got Syria showing up here. They're, Syria and Israel are coming to wage war against Judah and at the prominent city in Jerusalem. They besieged Ahaz but could not conquer him. At that time, Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Eloth for Syria and drove men, the men of Judah from Eloth. And the Edomites came to Eloth where they dwell to this day. <clears throat> so uh, Judah is in the south and Jerusalem's being besieged, being attacked. Uh, like, what would you think about this? Like, Dubuque, we're not like this. Um, usually the cities would have like this inner city and where they had walls built up and everyone would flee to that, to that city with the walls and close the gates and prepare for, for attack when someone was coming to attack them, okay? Um, we don't have that kind of structure around us, but it's like this center spot. It'd be like all of us coming here downtown and all of downtown being walled up and we're hiding in our defenses within the walls of Jerusalem, within the walls of, of downtown Dubuque to protect us from the Wisconsin, the Wisconsinians. How do I say that? Wisconsinians. I'm not sure if I get that right. Uh, <clears throat> or the Dyersvillians or, you know, whatever. Uh, these, these other people coming, trying to attack us. So here's, here's kind of the, the modern context. Note what the Bible has to say about Ahaz. It already gives you his, God's assessment. God puts out very clearly verse 2, 3, and 4. Verse 2 is kind of the summary. Ahaz did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. We, as you keep reading uh, the Old Testament narrative accounts like Kings, Chronicles, and for Judah, Israel, uh, well, for all of Israel, and then for, especially for Judah, David is like the standard. Um, he's, he's what it means to be a good and faithful king and to walk faithfully before, your, before God with your whole heart. And Ahaz doesn't live up to that. Um, Ahaz doesn't live up to that. It says that he didn't do what was right in the eyes of God. He actually began to uh, practice some of the pagan practices of the nations that were in that land before God brought Israel in to wipe them out. And if you remember some Old Testament history, they, God brought them in because their sin kind of came to a peak. And God said, that's enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe them out, right, because of what they're doing. And he warned Israel, he said, don't go in and do the same thing. Don't do the same thing because you're going to receive a similar judgment if you do that. So we see Ahaz doing some of these same things. Uh, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, which is a bad comment. He even burned, this is verse 3, burned his son as an offering according to the despicable practices of the nations that the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And then he's sacrificing in the wrong places. Um, <clears throat> sacrificing your son. I think we all get like, that is wrong, that is evil, right? Uh, but he, he, he did this practice, and it's despicable. It's, it's vile before God, so God's assessment is out. He did what was evil in God's eyes, not what was right. Let's go back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. And I'll start in verse 1 this time. In the days of Ahaz, excuse me, <coughs> the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, 
They're mentioned in 2 Kings, we just read. They came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not mount an attack against it. Okay, that was mentioned, what we just read earlier. When the house of David was told, uh, so this is the king's house. Uh, Ahaz is one of David's great-great-grandsons. King of Syria, the king... When the house of David was told, excuse me, verse 2, Syria is in league with Ephraim. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz. You and Sher-Jasub, your son. Sher-Jasub, you might have a footnote in your Bible as well. I do. It says, a remnant shall return. Uh, we read a little bit later that Isaiah and his children, they had these names and they were kind of signs and warnings to, to Israel. Here's one sign. A remnant shall return. We'll keep a focus on a remnant. We'll just leave that there. At the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And he said to them, be careful, be quiet. Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria is with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up to Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Syria and Israel have their plans against Judah. They're, they're on their way to, to take over. They want to put a new king in place. Some, as I was reading, said uh, this might be because they fear Assyria, a greater kingdom, a greater threat, and they want Judah to be in line with them. And the only way for Judah to be in line with them is if they put their own king in place. So they need to have Judah, you'd have Israel and Syria to be able to fight, all fight against Assyria. Maybe that's what's going on here. Um, all we're seeing is these two nations coming down, and Ahaz and the people, they're terrified, right? They're terrified. These two nations, they're going to destroy them is what they feel like. Um, <clears throat> God sends his prophet at the right time. He wants not only the nation of Judah, but also Judah's king, remember, who's not right in the eyes of the Lord, uh, who's doing evil, God wants to send his prophet to him. And I just want to note, if you just flip the page uh, and you look at Isaiah chapter 6, it recounts Isaiah's encounter with God. He actually saw God seated on the throne. And the, the image uh, is, is God is king, glorious and majestic. And if you stand before him, if you see him, uh, you're doomed. Because Isaiah, he saw this and he's like, oh no, I'm doomed. I'm, I live among people who have unclean lips. And I have unclean lips. And then something happens, that, which is symbolic, pointing to, uh, pointing to how God takes away our sin. God takes, he has one of the angels take a coal from the altar. And he goes and he touches Isaiah's lips. And he says, your lips excuse me, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Oh yeah, praise the Lord, right? Isaiah, Isaiah saw God, and God didn't just obliterate him because of his sin. God initiated the opportunity for him to become clean, for him to be right before God, to be able to stand, and actually, as we keep reading, for him to be able to serve God. 
it's a really, it's not just striking, it is profound that anyone can see God and live and that our God wants us to live, right? But the way that we live after seeing him, the way that we're able to see him is on his terms and not our own, right? We have to have our guilt taken away from his altar. There's nothing that we can do. And so God calls as if to, to find somebody, says, okay, hey, I need somebody. Who's going to go for me? Who, uh, who am I going to send? And Isaiah, having just been cleansed, is like, send me. Send me. <clears throat> and there's all these great missions uh, conferences that I've, I've read about or been at um, and heard about that they end at this verse. This is a great call, right? God's forgiven you. Now go. Go reach the world for the Lord. But the passage continues, and essentially Isaiah is told, you're going to go and you're going to fail. Because the people I'm sending to you, you too are stubborn. They won't listen. They won't hear you. <clears throat> and so Ahaz is the first person that we read about that Isaiah is sent to after this encounter that Isaiah had. Isaiah is going to go. He's going to speak God's word to Ahaz, but Ahaz is not going to listen. We already know the story is already set up, right? Um, it's not God's fault. It's not Isaiah's fault. It's the heart of Ahaz and his fault because he's already determined where he wants to put his faith. God wants to draw Ahaz's faith out. God wants us to know, and Ahaz to know, where his faith stands. We hope that it's with, with God, but as we read, we see it's not. I'm going to go back to 2 Kings 16. And look at verse 7. So we ended um, Syria and, and Israel. They're, they're besieging Judah. I'm trying to take it over. Verse 7, 2 Kings, 7, 2 Kings 16 says, So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I'm your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria, and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Um, it's, the language here is that, that uh, Ahaz is kind of evoking a, a treaty with Assyria. He's like, make a treaty with you, with you, you and with me. Okay, I'll be your son. I'll be your servant if you come up and you deliver me uh, from my enemies. Verse 8. So Ahaz, Ahaz also took silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord. And in the treasuries of the king's house, and sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Kerr. And he killed Rezin. One of the kings that Ahaz is afraid of gets killed, right? <clears throat> Seems like Ahaz, maybe he put his faith in the right place. But verse 8, what does he do? God's temple, God's house. There's treasures in there meant to be used to worship the Lord, to honor the Lord. And Ahaz says, I'm going to take from God's house. I'm going to take from God's house. I'm going to give to the king of Assyria so that I can, I can deliver myself. Ahaz's faith is not in God. Ahaz's faith is in his own devices, in his own ability, right? He trusts what he can do over what God will promise. Let's go back to Isaiah. So I'm kind of toggling just so we get a little bit of the history there, right? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 7. The Lord tells him that the Lord does, thus says the Lord God, excuse me, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass 
these things that Syria and Israel devise against you. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Excuse me. <coughs> and within, 20, within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. Now, Ephraim is, um, is one of the tribes of Israel. And when uh, Israel and Judah split off, Jeroboam, who became king, was from Ephraim. <clears throat> the head of, Eph- of Ephraim is Samaria, the capital city. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be, fr- be firm at all. <clears throat> If you are unsteady, you won't be steady. It's kind of this concept. Um, here, the, the you is not singular. It's not merely to, to Ahaz, but it's actually plural at the end of verse 9. If you, plural, are not firm in faith, plural, you, you will not be firm at all. <clears throat> Ahaz is going to reap the consequences uh, of his own faith because his faith is actually not in God, but is in Assyria. And we see this played out as we keep going. I'm going to read through verse 17. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. The Lord's promise is here. The word of the Lord comes back and the Lord says, Hey, hey, ask me a sign. Often what signs do, signs uh, kind of conf- they'll confirm what is being said. Right? So I, Ahaz was told by God that Syria and Israel, what they're trying to do will amount to nothing. They're actually going to be destroyed. Um, Ephraim will cease to be a people within 65 years. They're going to be demolished, right? Ahaz already knew where his faith was, was his own devices, and that's when he took the gold, took the silver from the Lord's temple, and gave it to the, to the king of Assyria and said, come deliver me. I'll, I'll, I'll sign a treaty. I'll follow after you. I'll be your servant. Just come and deliver me. Does God already know this here? I mean, God already knows this here. Excuse me. Has that already has that already happened at this place, this point in juncture? If not, it's close. But Ahaz's mind is already made up. The Lord says, "Ask of a sign for me, and it can be as deep as you want it, or as high as you want it." And here's Ahaz's pious reply, his his good Sunday reply. Uh, but Ahaz said, "I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test." It's ironic. God says, ask a sign for me, big as you want. Ahaz says, Lord, I won't ever test you. In doing so, doesn't he test God? God commands, ask me a sign. Ahaz says, no, I won't ask you a sign. You've just disobeyed God, Ahaz. God gave you the opportunity to, to to prove to you his word. And you could ask for whatever you want. He'd show it to you freely. I know so many people have said, Oh, you know, hey, if God did that, if God, if God just proved to me, then I'd believe. I know people who, I know a testimony of a lady who was healed who doesn't trust in the Lord. I know a testimony of, of people who have been in car wrecks. Lord, if you provide me, if you deliver me, if you save me, and they're still on the fence for the Lord, right? God gives you a sign. It's not going to be a guarantee that you're going to trust in him, right? It's not going to be a guarantee, here Ahaz gets the, the offer for a sign and says, no, I'm not going to ask, right? It's evidence of his heart and where he's actually at. He's testing God. God, no, I'm going to do me. 
I'm the author of my own destiny. I'm going to fix things. I'm going to make it right. I'll save myself. And this actually ends up being his demise. Verse 13, and he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you, this is the plural, for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread, Syria and Israel, will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you, this is singular, Ahaz, and your people and your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. That day when the nation was ripped in two because of the disobedience of God's king, because of Solomon, really, and then his son, Rehoboam, was the king in place when the nation was divided in two. You haven't had anything like this since those days. No, the king of Syria is going to be something different. The king of Assyria will actually reap havoc and destruction on, on Judah, on God's people. See, if you keep reading Isaiah and you keep reading through 2 Kings, a little bit later we see Ahaz's son. His name's Hezekiah. Maybe you've read about Hezekiah. Um, he's, a, he's a man of faith. Uh, man of faith. He, he stops following, he stops obeying the treaty that his dad set up with the king of Assyria. He rebels from, the king of, uh, from under the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria wants to stick it to him. He comes down and he invades Judah. And he attacks the surrounding towns and he's besieging Judah. They've got, uh, you know, the wall set up for their defenses. But you've got, uh, at one point we read, uh, there's at least 185,000 soldiers of, of Assyrian soldiers mounting siege against Judah, against the city of Jerusalem. And Ahaz, um, it seems like there's a hopeless situation. Yet in the midst of that, excuse me, Ahaz, Hezekiah, for Hezekiah it seems like a hopeless situation. In the midst of all that's going on, Hezekiah, unlike Ahaz, trusts in God. Ahaz is, is afraid of what's to come, right? Um, he, the, the siege of the two nations that have been bothering him, Syria and Israel, they don't stand. But it seems like for Hezekiah that Assyria is about to destroy them. They've been taking city after city. And what does Hezekiah do? He, he lays it out before the Lord and he prays. He says, God, here's the situation. And God delivers him. And one night goes through an angel of the Lord, wipes out 185,000 soldiers. God's might is untold. His ability uh, is without end. There's nothing that's too difficult for the Lord, right? Praise God for that. We see, as we keep reading, we see Hezekiah, there's this great, great faith in God. Or maybe it's little, but God is so great and worthy to be trusted. With Ahaz, though, he couldn't trust God. He trusted himself. Destruction, havoc was wreaked upon himself. And so this, this concept of Emmanuel is within this context. There's this war that's kind of ensuing over this whole region, right? There's the more localized incident, uh, or the more immediate incident with Syria and Israel. Ahaz is, is wanting to get rid of the problem. Actually, Ahaz causes a greater problem, not only for himself, but for his nation by signing a treaty with Assyria. 
and we can see some of the fallout. Uh, it's, not, it's not necessarily the clearest as I read it in English. I wish it would be like, boom, spelled out. So let me spell out some of these things. <clears throat> this child's going to eat curds and honey. Sounds delicious. Um, right? Curds could either be, uh, could be is some kind of milk product. Uh, may, probably not cheese. Most people kind of say it's maybe more like, like chunks of butter. Um, but it, it's, it's telling you that there's some good stuff in the land, right? There's honey. There's curds. <clears throat> if we keep going, um, here we go. Verse. I'm gonna go down. Verse 18. No, not 18. Excuse me. Um, 20, 21. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep. Everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. Okay, that kind of sounds good. In that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrows, a man will come there, for all the land will be briars and thorns. And as for the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, you will not come there for fear of briars and thorns, but they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. Think of a, think of a land that... Uh, is cultivated, like we, we're out here, right? You go out there and you see, I see the nice cornfields. Uh, I see the corn kind of growing up in the summer. And then we know at the end of summer, uh, once Fensel sets up their stands, it's time to start eating good corn, right? Uh, it's cultivated land. Uh, now go out and go like to the middle of nowhere. Even let's go to maybe Mines of Spain, right? If you've ever been hiking out in the Mines of Spain, if you go off the path, there's usually a bunch of like uh, sticks or trees or briars or thickets or whatever that you're going to be running all into. I've had times where I'm hiking and it's just like blackberry uh, vines sticking up all over the place, right? And you're just cutting yourself left and right. That's kind of more the image. This is the image that's here. The land that used to look like the cornfields that was harvested uh, or that was, that was kept, uh, the land that used to have the cows for dairy farming, the lands that used to have the, the pigs for slaughtering, like those are gone, right? You don't see the herds anymore. You don't see the cultivated land. You see maybe a, per, a person with, with a few animals. You see instead of these vineyards, instead of this cultivated land, you see briars, right? You're, you're afraid to actually go there because you know how bad the land is. Uh, you don't raise the animals to slaughter them. You have to go out and find them and hunt them to to, to uh, to kill them, to have your food. The prosperity has disappeared. The land where they were, Israel where they w- once uh, were, are no longer there anymore. And it's because of the people's decisions to no longer follow after God. Israel's divided because of disobedience. Judah will reap consequences because of Ahaz and his disobedience. And eventually, as we keep reading, Israel's exiled. It's actually chapter 17 of 2 Kings. Uh, They get taken away into exile. And then later, as you keep reading, Judah, like they get into exile. They go to Babylonian captivity. They are taken by a nation that's not their nation to a land that's not their own, to a language, to a culture, to people that are not their own because of their sin. Because of their sin. Emmanuel. In this context, let's think about this first. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. <coughs> Matthew tells us in Matthew one twenty three that this is Jesus. Ultimately, this is Jesus, Emmanuel, 
God with us. It seems as we read it here, though, it might also have a, a fulfillment, a sign for Ahaz. Like Ahaz would actually see a child to be born that would have this name, Emmanuel, and that he would know God's sign, God's, the fulfillment of God's word. For Ahaz, Emmanuel doesn't mean Christmas cheer, joy, prosperity. No, it means his nation is ruined because he would not trust God. Verse 9 again says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Emmanuel doesn't just mean judgment. It doesn't mean you just reap the consequences of your own deeds. But we have to say that that's part of it. That's part of it, right? Romans 10, 13 says this. Everyone who, I'll use the screen. I tell you, this is easier. Uh, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ahaz did not call on the name of the Lord. Ahaz called on the name of the king of Assyria. Deliver me, deliver me. Here's what I can do. I I can work salvation for myself. God's offer repeatedly for all people, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. I love this. It's not just for the the gospel message, the message of the Bible, the good news that the Bible has all throughout about who God is and what he does for us, what he's done for us, namely in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just one time. It's each and every day. You can wake up and say, hey, you know, I got breath in my lungs. I'm alive. Praise God. Today's another opportunity for me to, to call on the Lord, right? Think about your week. Think about, just just do the week. I can't go beyond that right now. Uh, Think about your week, right? How many opportunities did you have, kind of like Ahaz, to call on the Lord, to receive from him, for him to show you that he can deliver you from whatever situation you may be facing, right? Um, It can be as bad as what he was facing. You have actually two nations coming to fight against you and your nation, right? Maybe it's two people. uh, They're fighting against you, right? Maybe it's your job. Um, I don't know what it is, what is, is coming against you, but those moments are opportunities for us to, to call on the Lord's name, to trust him, right? This is not just a, just a message, let, hey, come to Jesus moment, and then once you're done with that, that's nice. Now you go do you, live like Ahaz. No, don't live like Ahaz. Call on the name of the Lord. Here's an opportunity for each and every one of us, Right? But with it, if we don't, we reap our own consequences, right? We reap our own consequences for our choices. But isn't God gracious? Isn't God gracious? Yeah, he's patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. You keep reading through the Old Testament uh, history. You read these people that are wicked and evil, and God still holds out his hands to them. God still offers forgiveness. God still allows them to repent. Uh, There are some that are way worse from what you read than Ahaz is, and yet, they turn to God, and God f- forgives them, right? Not deserving whatsoever, and we're no different, are we? We're no different, and God hasn't changed. He's the same God. He's going to offer each and every one of us an opportunity to call on him for salvation, to actually come to him, to actually know him, and we, want, we know him. We want others to come to know him, and also each and every day to begin to show him off. Like, hey, look how good God is. Like, I call on the name of the Lord. The Lord helped me. The Lord delivered me. This becomes even clearer as we get to John, uh, chapter three. <clears throat> I think 
I think this was read a few weeks ago, so hopefully this will be a refresher, but also maybe stick in our minds a little bit more. John 3.16, through the end of the chapter, reads this. And note, like, this is talking about uh, your faith, and it really, and where your faith is will determine your outcome. For God so loved the world, but it's not just about you, right? It's primarily about God and what he's doing. You got to decide if you're going to trust him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I want to go to the, at the end. Let's, let's focus on that and then come back to the top. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In verse 20, everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. God knows our hearts. God knows all of our actions, everything that's, that everyone else can see, everything that, that's hidden from each and everyone else. And do you know what God uh, is so good? Because today he didn't say, I'm going to obliterate you. Today he didn't say, I'm going to judge you. Uh, for his child, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, d- you walk in evil deeds, brother or sister, What's the, what are you going to reap? You reap the reward of Jesus, not because of your evil deeds, but because of the good deed of Christ. And that's applied to you. And God sees you not as a sinner. God sees you as a saint. And he's not out to get you. Uh, he's, he's here to not condemn you. No, but for everything to be yours in Christ Jesus, to lavish you with his grace. That changes us, right? Uh, You think of God offering himself. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It doesn't open with God is judging the world because men are evil, and and we are. Um, It's this gift of grace God's offering, right? Ahaz didn't deserve a sign. Ahaz didn't deserve to hear about Emmanuel, God with us. No, Ahaz deserves, deserved the opposite, but God is so good that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you this sign, even though you won't accept my sign, even though you won't accept my offer, rather, to, to ask me a sign. Ahaz's faith was in Assyria, not in God, right? Well, if you act and your faith is not in God, but in something else, you can be forgiven, right? You can be forgiven, and you can walk in newness of life so that at the end, um, so afterwards, you're, you're coming to light because your deeds are true and they're carried out in God instead of being carried out in you, instead of being in darkness and walking in the darkness. You can walk in the light, right? Each and every day, there's an opportunity for you to recognize God's with you. Emmanuel, God gave his son, Jesus. God with us, there's no doubt about it. You get to the gospels and you start reading, you start looking at Jesus and say, there is no man that's like this man. This man can't be a man. 
This man is God. And then you read the verses again and again and again and again. People in their own testimony that he is God. Jesus is saying, my works testify of who I am. My father testifies of who I am. The spirit testifies of who I am. And then you see him go to the cross, and that testifies of who he is. You see him die, right? And you're like, oh, no. But then he rose from the dead, and that testifies of who he is. And then he didn't just stay walking around the earth. God called him back because what? That's where he belongs. He is God. He deserves all glory, all, thor- all honor, all praise, etc. Right? <clears throat> He's yours. He's with us. When we're walking in sin or you don't know the Lord, excuse me, I said, speak about it this way. If you don't know the Lord, that's a dreadful thing. That's Ahaz moment. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. But it doesn't have to come because Jesus was judged for you, for me. Right? You know the Lord. You don't need to walk in darkness. Like We can confess the dark deeds in our own soul that we still wrestle with each and every day, and they're done away with. They're forgiven, and now we can walk in new life. Now we can not look like Ahaz. God does this work where we find ourselves, we're, we're coming before him, we're approaching him, we're laying everything before him. We're more like Hezekiah, right, because of faith in Jesus. There's the opportunity. Your faith determines your outcome. Your faith determines your outcome. Let me read this again as we're closing. Isaiah 7. Thus says the Lord God, uh, read verse 7 through 14. Verses 7 through 14. It shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Assyria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And I didn't read it earlier, but can't help it. Matthew uh, chapter one and verse 23. I'll read verse 22, 22 as well. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew points out that this is because, verse 22, he would save, Jesus would save his people from their sins. What are your sins, brother, sister? What are your sins, Uh, friend, I don't know. God knows. I don't stand up here as a perfect person, but a sinner. Uh, Recount my last week, and I think, man, I didn't do well, right? Sick all week. It wasn't a victory in Jesus week. It was, uh, uh, I am weak, and uh, I can see that pretty clearly, Lord, right? I need to profess that before the Lord. Lord, I didn't trust you. Uh, I just tried to get by. I thought if I got by, I'd be okay. Uh, each and every moment is a moment for us to trust him. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, do we trust him, right? 
We'll reap the consequences. Praise God for his children. There's no condemnation. No matter what we do wrong, and for everybody, we can turn right around, back to him, and be restored because of what God has done, because he is with us, because he came down. Let's praise him for that. So we think about this Christmas season. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a very interesting place where you put this prophecy. Um, the midst of these circumstances of war, I mean, like war is, is far away uh, for us in this nation. When we think about waging war against other countries, we think about more localized, maybe we just go to the big city and there's, there's turf wars. Lord, there are, there are people fighting against one another. But the, the base reality of, Lord, of these conflicts, they're within our own heart. And, Lord, we have conflict in this life, trusting you or, or trusting ourselves. Uh, the, what others tell us to trust in or um, those things that we are tempted to trust in to say, we can do this ourselves. We can't, Lord. Before you, we can't deliver ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We need you to step down, you to be with us, you to deliver us. Lord, you're gracious to even offer this sign to Ahaz. Remind us how you've been so gracious to us each and every day of our lives, Lord. And then, and then from that place, help us to trust you more, to grow, to confess where we fail because you see it, and to acknowledge, uh, Lord, your grace, to acknowledge where you stand strong. You never fail. We've seen the song, you've never lost a battle. Um, and we win every battle, not because of us, but in you. All things are ours now in you. What an amazing gift. Lord, as we build up and we anticipate the, the celebration of Christ's birthday, Lord, and Christmas Day, um, help us to grow in faith, I pray, to learn to trust you more. And Lord, by your grace, as you change us, people around us would be changed as well. In our households, at our workplace, at the grocery store, our neighbors, Lord, that we could point them not to how great we trust you, Lord, because we fail, but Lord, to how great and trustworthy you are and that you came for them. You came for us. May we simply share that message, share this story that every human needs. We pray in Christ's name, amen.